Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Before we jump in this episode, let me introduce DevRelX. DevRelX is a hub for developer marketing and DevRel professionals. Stay home while DevRelX brings you rich content to boost your DevRel game. Access developer population insights, news, job openings, and more. Discover how to empower developers and grow communities at devrelx.com. Today's episode will start with a quote from our guest. You know, developers um, don't care that you know until they know that you care. Mm-hmm. And I think that embodies, you know, um, that empathy and developer advocacy so much. That's a really good saying. I'm going to remember that. And I'm sure uh, that's going to be the tagline for this podcast somehow. Okay. Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast from Slash Data. I'm Joe Stitchbury, one of the senior analysts in the team. And today I'm joined by Jeremy Meese. Jeremy, we've not met before, so I'll give you a short description of my background and then ask you to tell me about yourself. Great. So I work at Slash Data these days, but I have a fair amount of experience as a developer. I was um, an early mobile developer in the days of Scion Software and Symbian, and then I went on to work for Nokia and Sony Ericsson. Um, Once I left mobile development, I became um, involved in publishing and technical writing. And that was really driven by the fact that I realized just how difficult it was as a developer to find good explanations of difficult subjects. I've worked with a number of teams um, in the last 15 years to grow developer portals and develop content to attract and retain them. So over to you. Could you tell us about your bio, please? Yes, uh, so I've been in developer relations in one capacity or another since 2007 um, when I started being a forum moderator on edXDA developers. But in terms of my uh, like full-on, uh, full-on bio itself, uh, I currently am the director of community and DevRel strategy at Solace. Uh, we're an advanced event broker enabling event mesh for connected enterprises. Previously to that, I spent, uh, spent time at Auth0 uh, and then also at XDA Developers, I've done some DevRel consulting. I spent 11 years at Sprint, successfully avoiding multiple layoffs until finally I got caught. Um, and then various other firms and <laughs> industries over the last 25 years. Um, I'm a lover of all things uh, coffee, uh, having owned a coffee shop uh, in, in a previous life. Um, also, uh, you know, love, love communities, I love developers, I love open source uh, and technology. Um, and then I am also housebroken, uh, and I generally play well with others. Ah, right. Well, that is always good to know. <laughs> so, Jeremy, did you think you'd end up in this area? And, you know, you said you mentioned that you used to run a coffee shop. Did your coffee shop owning self think that you'd end up uh, where you are now? I think in some ways I did. Uh, I actually owned a coffee shop as a kind of a sub-life to the existing. I was already in technology. and. Uh, had started to you know really have a love for coffee, and that um, while I was still working, uh, you know, doing technology work at Sprint, uh, had the opportunity to purchase a coffee shop that I'd been a patron of for the previous five years, and uh, went ahead and purchased it. Um, and while I'm not, uh, I've never been been told I'm the brightest uh, in the bunch. Uh, it probably wasn't the greatest idea in terms of like long term. Uh, or at least short term, but in the long term, it really helped me understand uh, more and more about communities. I'd already kind of part of communities and 
uh, had had been doing you know a lot of developer work and uh, it just kind of helped connect, start to connect the dots as I continued on my my journey. But uh, coffee still to this day is is a is a passion of mine and any anytime I have the opportunity to get behind the espresso machine at a coffee shop, uh, I, I relish the opportunity. I see. And so how would you say um, coffee shop and building a community of patrons to buy their espresso every day or their Americano, how does that relate to um, people coming to a developer community? Do you see any parallels? There definitely are parallels. I think the one that jumps to mind uh, very quickly is you, you have to know your audience. Uh, and, and so those that are part of your community, uh, you know, as, as your developer community, you have to know, you know, why are they coming? Um, why are they participating? What are their needs? What are the things that you as a, you know, running the community for them can help provide for them? Uh, and that's very much the same within a coffee shop and really any retail for that matter is, you know, you're in business, obviously, uh, to, um, to sell a cup of coffee, whatever it is, whether it's that, you know, uh, order, you know, the, the coffee drink that takes, you know, five minutes for the person to order it, or it is just a simple espresso or a cup of coffee. You have to know uh, what your audience is and what your, um, why are they coming there and, you know, what are the things they enjoy the most so that you can help craft an experience that, uh, that meets that. I see, yes. And I think um, I have a friend who's in um, brand identity and looking at personas. And I think it's, it's very true with developer communities as well, that you, you kind of have personalities of the different communities. And, and to want to be a member of a community, that community has to reflect the kind of, not the brand as in the corporate brand, but a particular characteristic which that developer, when they come to the community, feels reflects on them. So be it an open source community because they consider themselves altruistic and helpful, or maybe it's more of like something like an SAP community where it's very much, um, you know, this is me getting something done, I'm efficient, I want to save money for my company by using these tools. Is that, is that something that you think, again, with a coffee shop, people that come in for their coffee want a particular identity reflected from it? it there is, um, and that's, you know, they, uh, you go back to a coffee shop um, at, the, at the very first, like if the coffee's not good, you're definitely not going to go back. But if the coffee is at least passable and there's a good community or a good uh, atmosphere, um, you're more willing to go back and check it out and, and learn more. And I think that's, you know, as you do that, you start to, you know, as you run a, sh a shop like that, you start to really get a feel for what keeps people once they're there. Uh, and for us, you know, it was always finding that, uh, you, you know, we recognized that we had a lot of students that would come in. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we had a lot of smaller tables so that they could sit and they could work and that they were close to, um, you know, they were, they were close to the, the power outlets. Uh, but then we also knew that we had a lot of um, people coming in that were also, you know, mothers and with kids. And so we wanted to have, you know, some more, some other spaces. And so it was creating environments that could meet the people that were coming in. And it's you know, mm -hmm. taking on their um, atmosphere and in very much uh, the type of, we weren't, we weren't very uh, pretentious. Uh, we tried to keep it very laid back. And, and that very much resonated with, with the, uh, um, the patrons or, or the community as, 
to, for lack of a better term. I see. Yes. And um, I have read your blog post about um, the, uh, your coffee shop experience. Okay. And we'll, yeah. put a, we'll put a short link on our, um, on our podcast description okay. so um, people listening can, can go to it as well. And you wrote about the um, signs that the previous owner of the shop had had signs everywhere telling you what you could and couldn't do. And that kind of resonated with me because I've just um, written a blog post about um, an interview I did recently with Adrian Spire, who um, I believe you know from the, yeah. the community, the dev community. Yeah. Um, we were talking about forums and we were talking about um, how you protect your forum from trolls and how you yeah. can you know, sort of garden it to make sure that. And I was thinking, well, you know, you could be really hands on in a community and really kind of enforce the rules, a bit like your coffee shop owner. Or you could be completely hands off, um, a bit more like I guess Stack Overflow or some newspaper um, right. communities. Where do you stand on that? Well, I think there's, and and I definitely would agree. Like you, you have to, um, you do have to figure that out, and and it is a challenge. Uh, you don't want to be too heavy handed uh, because then you you know you stifle conversation. And moderation is not about like stifling conversation it's not about um you know keeping people from saying things it's about helping to direct and you know keep conversation moving in, in a good positive direction and so you know i've spent um 20 plus years um so at this point we're uh gosh so yeah i've spent 25 years or more uh working with you know being part of online communities and it very quickly can can divest into a um, a troll fest, and I've dealt with lots of trolls, especially in the you know XDA developers I worked with for a while. In terms of just you know variety of opinions, and and I it's it's important to have a uh, a good code of conduct. There will always be the uh, you you can't deal in just black and white. There's an importance of of understanding that each situation is different, and it's keeping. Uh, the community's uh, trajectory and the, and the community's health um, at the forefront of your decisions as it comes to you know dealing with trolls. Um, often, what I found with with people that are trolling that most of the time, and this is there's always exceptions to this, but most of the time they are just extremely passionate about the community or about the product or whatever it is that they're talking about, and when you, you know, have a conversation with them kind of, you know, in a, in a private message or you get on a, a Zoom call or a you know, conference call or whatever, but you, you have a more direct conversation with them and learn about why they're so passionate. Often it's just, it is that, is they, they really love the product and they want to see it go a certain direction. And so those are opportunities for you as a, as a community manager and moderator to, to really build that relationship and to help direct them and say, hey, we appreciate you know, you having that voice and, and the passion you have, that does, you know, how you've in this situation responded keeps others from wanting to be a, a part. And by doing that, you're negatively affecting the community. And so what we'd like you to do is still be involved and still be passionate, but help to direct a conversation instead of stifling it with your comments. And I've seen that work really well. Um, I've also seen it blow up <laughs> and then you're like, okay, then this is probably not the place for you. Uh, but you, it, it takes, 
it takes building a relationship. And that's what I enjoy so much about communities and, and you know, developer communities in particular is just, it's building those relationships and getting to know each person and, and the challenge is always to, you know, take and, and help mold a community based on uh, the people that are a part of it. And, you know, it's people. So there's, and it's the internet. So that means at any point, a dumpster fire can happen. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me because you're you're obviously reaching out to people to get to know them, and you're you know as you say going on calls with them or exchanging messages. You're thinking very much about having people coming to your community rather than devolving it to Reddit or, or Stack Overflow. You know, these are people that really are involved, as opposed to just some random that's um, trolling for the sake of it. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand that. Um, and again, it comes back to knowing why your community exists um, and who it exists for. And, you know, Reddit has its place. Um, I hate and love Reddit at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. Stack Overflow is the same thing. Like, they, they have a purpose. Uh, I think one of the challenges that, that Stack Overflow has and, you know, communities, especially kind of technical brand communities uh, today have the exact same problem is that, um, you know, it used to be 10 years ago, five years ago, even, that you could ask a question and there would be people that would, man, would love to jump in and help and answer those questions and, and help build that community and contribute. And then it slowly kind of happened to where um, somebody asks a question and maybe it's been asked two times, 10 times, 100 times before. And we've lost in some ways a desire to kind of help self-serve to where people really search. And also I think searching as a skill is also something that's, that some people have and others don't. But you tend to get people now that jump and say, well, that's been answered 25 times before. I'm not going to answer it. Um, and, and I think that's a challenge. And, that's, uh, and then you get people after they've been jumped, you know, after their hands been bitten a number of times, they're not going to put themselves into that environment and so it's very much a challenge and um you know you definitely see that with you know the reddits and with the stack overflows uh and you know with with smaller brand communities you do see it as well uh but it, it does come back to you know how are you forming the community what does it exist for your code of conduct and just making sure that everybody you know contributes and treats everyone with respect yeah, plays nicely. Yeah, you mentioned challenges there, and, and that is a, a truly large challenge. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in the twenty years or so that you've been working in online communities? Well, so a vast portion of that was as just members of the community. Um, I think as I've been doing, you know, more in the moderation staff of of different communities over the last twelve years, um, it's. I think the biggest challenge has just been um, putting aside your uh, your personal um, I don't want to say putting aside your personal feelings because it is important to have those personal feelings, but to maybe grow a thicker skin and recognize that not everybody speaks in a way that um, lifts others up, and to not take everything so personal. Mm. Uh, that is a challenge and I've developed the skill and then sometimes I go, huh, maybe I didn't develop it enough. <laughs> uh, 
uh, or I still haven't developed. Like it, it's there, it comes and goes, but I think that's an important, it's a challenge just in the personal relationships and in personal interactions that you have uh, is always trying to have that thick skin and not let something get to you. Um, but I think it's also a challenge, a challenge that goes along with that is having a good support network around you, both within the community and within other communities, and then offline as well that um, you can go to and that you can you know, voice your, uh, your feelings um, and how you, you know, what's, your, what's happening and, and really kind of vent. And, mm-hmm. and they know you're venting and they do the same for you. And it's a, it, it helps to get it off so that you don't take that out on either your loved ones or mm-hmm. the people that are in the community. Um, and I have I'm one of the, the developer relations community that I'm a part of. Um, we have a weekly uh, kind of a, a, a Zoom call that's, a, that's open for you know, anyone in the community to join. Uh, and a friend DA, friend NDA that, you know, it is what's, hap- what's said there stays there. And we, we share what we're struggling with and, or what we're not. And, you know, it, it, but it's an open space that we can just chat and we can kind of let things off our chest and know that there's others in that community that feel the same way. And I think that's important. And, and it's taken a while to kind of get to that spot to know that's what I need. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's important for uh, anyone that's working in communities, um, especially online communities, but, you know, developer communities and developer relations to just have safe spaces that they can um, be themselves and know that others care and know that others are experiencing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting lesson learned that, um, you know, having a thick skin is one thing, but it's always going to get to you at some level and you've just got to find a way to, to deal with it. And you mentioned about the fact that, you know, a lot of this is online community specific because, you know, conversation online is always much more difficult to gauge the nuance of what someone's saying, the tone, um, there's the language, sometimes the language barrier, um, cultural barriers about what you can and can't say. Do you think once you've met people at events that your relationship with them changes for the better? So you've got a better understanding. So would you say events, face-to-face events are important? Absolutely. Um, the, so when I was spent years with, with XDA developers, had built a lot of relationships with people um, in that community over, you know, so I started, joined that community in 2007 um, and had built a lot of, a lot of community uh, relationships, and, but it was all online. And then in mm-hmm. 2013, I created a community, not created, I created a conference that um, wanted to bring, you know, uh, those that were in the community, bring them to an offline setting where they could learn and share and build more, you know, build some new relationships and, and, uh, and grow. And it was fascinating to see people that were, you know, and of course I met people that I had not seen in, you know, in real life. Um, but I become really good friends with online. And so that took that relationship to a deeper level and and grew it. But then it also seen other people that had that same experience, um, really kind of showed me the importance of offline as well as online. Mm -hmm. And, um, ended up doing that, that conference twice. Once was in the the UK and the other, other was in the U S 
uh, and it repeatedly reinforced to me the importance of that. And then as I've gone to events and spoken at events and met people that, um, you know, that again, have mostly, you know, had conversations with online, uh, again, it continuously reinforces that. And I have some fantastic relationships right now with people in the Devereaux community uh, that has come out of the fact that we've been able to sit and share a meal together or have a drink or just go to a conference together. And it's really, really built that up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, um, we had um, Catherine Miller recently on the pod um, talking about events. And I mean, she, she spoke at length about, you know, the, the value that you get from learning things, um, from meeting product managers. But I think just meeting each other and building relationships so that when you're back um, at your desk and you're seeing questions being asked, you know what's coming behind that. You know, you know what, pe- what people have been stuck on, what they're working on. It makes a huge difference um, to the way that you interact. Absolutely. Yes. And the, value, the value as a developer comes, I would say, um, you know, at least half for going to the conferences is meeting other developers as opposed to just getting the, you know, the knowledge that you can, um, that you can get. I haven't Absolutely. Really, um, I think- many recently, but I went to WWDC a couple of times and it was just amazing to be able to interact with people doing the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think that, and it also, there is something about um, once you can put a, a face, an actual physical body to the person that you've been talking online with, um, it makes it personal. And by doing that, it also, um, it changes your, your perceptions. Um, and it also kind of makes it a lot easier to relate, but it also makes it a lot harder as long as the interaction was good. It makes it, it, it changes the, it just changes the interaction. And I've seen that change the interaction for good. Mm-hmm. So you've obviously been in communities a long time. What is it that you particularly love about developer relations and developer marketing? So I think the thing that I love the most about developer relations um, is the relationships. Um, I think, uh, you know, advocacy and, and developer, you know, developer advocacy and developer evangelism and, and the different pieces that all entail into that. Um, I love the, the interactions. I love helping uh, connect people to the information that they're looking for, um, helping make others successful. Um, and I think that's the, the part of, you know, being a developer advocate is, is really helping to, to um, you know, c- convey uh, both internally and externally what people are feeling and, and be that advocate for the developer back to the company, um, I think is, is just uh, exciting and, and I think brings a lot of uh, uh, purpose to, to what I do. And, um, and I think, uh, I think that really drives me to, to continue to, you know, to be a part of that and to, you know, spend this as my career. Um, and, and it's, it's something I, I'm really passionate about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I, I absolutely echo a lot of that question that I'd like to ask you is I'm technical, you're technical and we work in developer marketing, but um, if somebody's listening that's maybe working in a marketing team or maybe they're a student and they're thinking this would be an interesting area to go in, 
how much technical expertise do you really need to work in developer relations or developer marketing? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, and it's one that we continuously, uh, within the developer relations field, have conversations around. Um, and there's a lot of opposing opinions. Uh, my personal opinion um, is you don't have to be in a technical role. Uh, I do feel like you do have to have at least some uh, technical ex uh, technical ability, uh, but it doesn't have to be a, in the sense of you've worked at some tech startup or that you were a, a COBOL developer or that you're a you know accomplished JavaScript developer. Um, you know, I haven't done day-to-day -day development uh, in probably 10 years now, um, but I am technical. I spent years working in the technical field. Um, I was doing sysadmin and network admin for a, for a ISP back in the mid-90s. Uh, I have a technical background, but um, I know some fantastic developer advocates and developer um, evangelists who, uh, you know, they don't come from a traditional tech background. Um, they, one of them, a great friend, is a... Uh, was a scientist, was a, um, you know, cancer scientist. There was uh, another one who was a um, theater major. Uh, you don't have to fit into a uh, this box of you know being an engineer because generally, chances are you're not going to be spending any time engineering, um, or if you are, it's going to be a very small set as you're working on a specific problem. But I think you do need to have a technical aptitude to be able to relate what. Uh, your developer audience has and the questions that they have and the concerns and the challenges, be able to relate that back to the develop, uh, to the developer teams, development teams like engineering and product. And then so you can actually explain to them what's happening, uh, but then be able to then convert that back to the audience and let them know uh, what's happening. And I think you need to have the ability to explain some technical uh, concepts but in terms of being an actual engineer, I, I know um, one company out there is very adamant that you have to be an engineer at a full level. Uh, you need to be able to do the same day-to-day -day job of, of an engineer in the company in order to be a developer advocate. And I just don't see that. Um, and I've seen, I've seen that time and time again, companies um, or uh, developer advocates who are fantastic at their job. Um, who don't fit that construct. Uh, I think there is, it does differ depending on the company and what their direction is and what their product is. But for the most part, I don't think you have to be a full technical person as much as you need to have a technical aptitude. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a very um, good way of looking at it. And I, it comes again to empathy, really, doesn't it? Is being able Absolutely. to talk to the different audiences so you can talk with a developer and you can talk with um, an engineering team and you can translate between them and as long as you've got a systematic approach to the technical side of things and you can relay information accurately and yeah. you've got the confidence that you know you are you're moving in a technical world but you may not have the background um, then I think you'll you'll do really well I know you know I'm not a by training um, a software engineer, I have a degree in chemistry. And when I first moved into um, C, C++ development, I found it difficult to, um, you know, these days it's called imposter syndrome. I felt very much out of place, like I didn't know anything. But I think the thing is, is that um, as long as you're 
eager to learn and you have that kind of sense that I can be confident in what I'm doing as long as I'm truthful and systematic in how I you know, reflect my company and how I argue for the developers so the two faces of relations, then I think, yeah, I, th- I think anybody could do it that, um, that has the empathy and the aptitude. Yeah, and I think that was that kind of mirrors my, um, or comes out of my journey into developer relations, is that, you know, I, I in some ways I kind of fell into it, but throughout, even in, in my youth, I was always somebody that could relate technical information to the non-technical, um, and then relate the non-technical back to the technical. And so I consistently kind of found myself as that person who would get called into meetings, or get called into projects, to help be that advocate for the customer, whether it was an internal customer or the external customer. And in fact, one of my early jobs, I was thinking about this earlier today, was um, when I was at Hallmark Cards back in the uh, late 90s, was technical liaison. And looking back, that definitely was a developer relations job. Um, and it, you know, I was that I kind of stood in between the customer and the developer teams to make sure that what they were building was what the customer wanted um, and take all of that information about. And so I think it's, um, you know, being able to relate that stuff. Um, and, and I think it's extremely powerful for a um, somebody in developer relations. And so if, if you're out there and to relating to the overall question here, if you're out there and you're looking to get into um, developer relations, or it seems like something you really want to, um, but you don't know that you know the answer to questions, that's okay. Being able to say, um, when somebody asks, hey, how does this work? Or I'm having a problem here, what do I do? Being able to say, I don't know, but I will go find out. Let me get your information so that I can come back to you with that info. Powerful. And people, people hear that, and they're okay with you saying, I don't know, but that you're going to go find out. Yeah, I think it comes back down to, um, you know, having the confidence to say, um, yeah, it's something I don't know. Having the confidence to deal with the fact that you don't know something, which often is often better when you're coming from outside than when you're supposed to be the expert. So, you know, it's clear that you won't know everything because you weren't trained in that. You didn't, you know, you couldn't do a degree in um, somebody's special API. So it's perfectly okay for you to go, I don't know that, I'll go ask the developer. Um, but it's having the confidence to do that um, and tell yourself that it's all right um, because often you'll, you'll find that the person that's asking will, will be far happier about you saying that than you would be. Absolutely, completely agree. Now, we'll be talking about develop, developer advocacy and I wanted to move on. I have heard word that you are a big Doctor Who fan, um, as yeah, yeah. am I and everyone in my family. And I wanted to talk a little bit about The Doctor. Um, I'm guessing that most people listening probably do know about um, The Doctor and The Time Lord. If they don't, don't, they should go and and, uh, find it out really quickly. Yeah, go and find it out and watch some on Netflix. Um, I'm thinking of Doctor Who, or rather The Doctor, as a developer advocate. Now, I think in some ways he's a really good advocate because he's connecting people from all kinds of walks of life, not just on Earth, not just humans, and um, convincing them to work together to save a planet or save themselves or um, whatever. He's cementing bonds between people, often because they're infuriated with him and they're working together to you know, solve a problem and get him out of their sight. But... <laughs> 
do you think he's also perhaps somewhat awful in that he's never very good at explaining things and he belittles them and I don't know what what are your thoughts I, I'm conflicted I can't work out whether he's a good or a bad advocate yeah you know I, I think that's that's a fascinating case study uh, I'm gonna have to explore that on a, on a more personal level at some point um, I think I think that the doctor is a good example of an advocate in the sense that you have in, in a storyline that continuously repeats itself is that um, Earth doesn't have smallest or even an, an iota of an idea of how big the universe is. And they don't understand that, um, you know, change is coming and that, you know, there are other life forms out in the universe that <laughs> wish them uh, wish them ill, some that wish them good. Uh, and they just, they're completely clueless. And so a, a theme that continuously echoes, um, you know, from the doctor to uh, the rest of the universe is that Earth is protected um, and that he is there for Earth. And I think he's advocating, I, I think you definitely can draw that parallel, that he's advocating for Earth and for humans, as flawed as we are, that mm. they have ultimately good at heart and that he's there for them. Um, but I, I think the other side of that, kind of the dark side as well, is that you're right. He doesn't, he takes too much on himself. Um, and as we've seen in, you know, especially the last few seasons and the last couple doctors, the, um, they've really explored this idea of, um, I would say it's even a burnout of that, you just, you get burnout. And within developer relations, uh, burnout is a, it's a real thing um, because we tend to not take care of ourselves very well, especially if we are, you know, advocating for others. We're, we're taking on a lot of their concerns and a lot of their frustrations. And we have to take that back to, um, you know, product and to engineering and to different areas of the company. And that requires a little bit of ourselves each time. And, uh, you know, if you don't, and then we're traveling and then, you know, we're spending, I know some that spend uh, weeks and, you know, a month away at a time um, and constantly hopping on, you know, you're, you're across every time zone and, and that takes a toll. And mm. uh, eventually you, you have, your body says, okay, if you're not going to take this on yourself, I'm going to make sure you take it on yourself. And then, you have that crash and you have to build yourself back up and start back over. And I think that we've seen that with the doctor that, you know, he just took him, took so much on himself that now he gets burnt out and can't be the advocate like he should. Yeah. And yes. I, I think that's really explored that. Um, and it's very much very real to what it really is within uh, developer relations is that, you know, burnout is real. Um, and while we do advocate uh, for the developer and for the people in our community, uh, we do have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and we, so can't, do our, we can't do it alone. Sorry. We have to also be looking for people that we can bring along to do that for us and to help mm -hmm. us and to, you know, like I, I firmly believe leadership is about replacing yourself and that you should be having one or two people on your team that, uh, you're building into them that they will replace you and you will go do something else. 
And I think that's very much within developer advocacy is that you need to be finding people within the community and within even your organization that can, you can replicate yourself so that you're not the only one doing it and that you can give them the tools necessary to, to do it as well. Mm, mm. So you're teaching someone to fish rather than giving yes. them the fish. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I was just going to go back and say, um, this um, developer advocates, you're traveling in space and time and you need to, <laughs> to regenerate every so often. It's, I think yeah. there's a thesis in there somewhere. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to have to explore that a little bit more. <laughs> yes, and I think um, certainly in the last, uh, in the last series that, um, where we've had, um, in, in the UK at least, I don't know if you've got around to watching the, the latest series, that um, we now have a lady doctor and yep. the um, cast of characters that um, travel with her has been very much um, about advising her and having different different skill sets, uh, which I think it's been really quite interesting to see that she's relied on them perhaps more than um, other doctors have in the past to uh, you know to negotiate. Um, there was one particular one where somebody was showing great empathy, and you think, well, actually, yeah, the doctor doesn't always have that that empathy, not with other humans anyway. Yeah, um, and and the doctor was taught something by the um, companion, which was, was fascinating. Yeah, empathy um, is one thing that I think is extremely important for uh, you know somebody in developer relations, especially for developer advocate. Um, and I've seen I've seen people um, I've worked with people in marketing over the years um, in other areas of the companies that that interface with developers that have no empathy. And it shows. Mm, mm. Um, it shows in their interactions with others in the company um, and within the community. And you know, being empathetic is very much. It's uh, it's difficult. And I don't. There's a there's been some discussion in in our community of you know is it something that uh, is a skill you can learn uh, or is it something that is inherent to who you are and that you can you know you can learn it. Um, but you can't be proficient in it and that it's, it, you know what I mean? Like there's just a, a back and forth of really trying to understand this because empathy is so important and some people have it more than others. And, uh, you know, I, I, one saying that I like to repeat is, you know, developers, um, don't care that you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And I think that embodies, you know, um, that empathy and developer advocacy so much. That's a really good saying. I'm going to remember that, and I'm sure uh, that's going to be the tagline for this podcast somehow. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I think it's um. I mean, this is really why I ended up in in this area. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's because I felt that um, with Symbian C++, which had been sort of created before C++ was fully standardised, and it was designed for um, a very low memory, low um, power device. So everything was preserving as much um, as it possibly could. It was, you know, it was a, a bare bones system, and, and the flavour of C had been developed with that in mind. And it right. made it very difficult to use unless you were, you know, one of the insiders, one of the, the gifted few. And the people that had created it were very smart people, but with no empathy really. Um, and it was just like, well, you don't understand it, then you must be an idiot, as opposed to, well, why don't I explain it to you? So I felt that you know we needed to write this down properly, and I wrote I wrote a book about it, and um, that's I think how I ended up in this field. It was um, so satisfying 
Um, but yeah, I think um, empathy, I wouldn't say I'm always empathetic in everyday life. I'm sure my son would agree with me, but certainly when it comes to uh, lack of understanding of difficult, complex areas, then yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the doctor struggles with this somewhat because the doctor, of course, is so much more intelligent than us puny humans. But uh, and, he, and he's a little older. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. He's, he's seen a little bit more and he's, he's seen the, uh, the challenges that... Uh, can come in and he's you know probably seen things repeated multiple times over the years and so yeah I think you you kind of eventually you have to struggle with that I think in just the daily life too of that you know just because that question has been asked before um, or that developer even a, a, that developer themselves has struggled with this before does not mean that uh, they don't deserve empathy and don't deserve you to interact with them on on their level and that's always a challenge yeah yeah so um, moving on slightly talking about um having seen having seen a lot as i'm sure you have you've seen a number of communities you've worked with them and you probably visit them um in your own you know development um practice what would you say um, makes a community succeed? And, and perhaps more importantly, what can cause a community to fail? Because, I mean, I'm speaking from experience. I've worked in a number of communities that are no longer with us. I've got my own thoughts on why they failed. But what would you say would really cause the difference between success and failure? Goodness, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, one of the things that makes a, can make a community successful um, Sometimes it is very much a, a tipping point, things that could be really difficult, and then all of a sudden there's clarity and, and boom, that's what does it. Um, I don't wanna say that, it's, uh, that it is left to chance, but one of the things about communities, often um, you don't recognize that there's a community until all of a sudden, oh, here's a community that's popped up and we didn't even plan for it. Uh, I've seen that happen in, in a variety of things, but I think planning is extremely important to make it successful and not in the sense of like a full on business plan. But I think it's as you're creating a community or as, as you're seeking to uh, maybe revitalize one is really kind of sit down and go over a plan and figure out what what works. Uh, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to, um, you know, uh, meet with? Um, who, what needs are you trying to fulfill and who are the people and who's going to staff it? All those things you, you, uh, you really kind of have to lay out the goals and, and such. Um, I think it's important to uh, get feedback, uh, whether it's an existing community and you're trying to revitalize it or um, those that it's kind of a new community, getting feedback from the people that are in that target community on what their needs are is important before you kind of go on full launch, defining what it you know looks like to be successful, which kind of goes along with those goals um, that you've set is, is understanding, okay, so we know that it's going to be successful because we've done X or Y. And that's important. Um, I think when a community doesn't, isn't successful, is they've not defined what it means to be successful. Um, and they also don't have somebody that's going to own those specific pieces. Um, so I think that's kind of that flip side. I think any of these, if you don't do them, I think that's a recipe for failure. Um, I've seen communities that none of this happened and they still grew. Um, mm. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, there is no one size fits all. 
Uh, we see this in developer relations where a lot of companies come in and they say, hey, we see that you know Microsoft and their cloud advocacy team or um, Google and their cloud team or um, AWS or Twilio or any of these other big companies that have really done a great job with developer relations, we're gonna do what they've done. And we're gonna be look just like them. And it just doesn't work uh, because every community is different. What, what excites me about communities is that it's just like DNA, like they each have their own DNA. And you have to understand what that makeup of your community is and what's gonna work. There's certainly principles that work across the board, but it is not just something that, um, you know, you can follow the same recipe. There's no cookie cutter success. Um, yeah. Other than I would say you have to have a good plan. Yeah, yeah, I know I completely agree. And I think you really need to understand your audience, your, your potential audience. Um, you know, we're not necessarily talking about dividing into personas and segments, although I do believe that that's important and that's something else that we'll, we'll talk about in a later podcast. But um, just what are the problems that your audience are likely to be trying to solve and what are the problems that they're going to run into? Because um, I think the communities that I've worked with in the past have been very much like, this is what we want you to do. Um, but that's not necessarily what the audience wants them, you know, want to do for themselves. They know what they want, and you've got to provide them with the materials and the support to do that. And just because right. you want to emphasize one particular thing doesn't necessarily mean that they're interested in that or, or our takes going to be particularly strong. Yep. Okay, then. Well, I think we've seen to the point of wrapping up, but um, something that we always talk about on the pod towards the end of the conversation is trends and I'd just like to ask you what you think the hottest trend in developer marketing will be in the next year or so. I think within developer marketing um, is uh, getting more personal. I think you're going to have to see that um, and I, I think that's a trend that I think I've, I've started to see you know definitely within you know my company, as we start to understand, we have to be a little bit more personal when it comes to the developer marketing side. Uh, developer relations by itself is has to be personal, but marketing's kind of always been this uh, kind of view of um, shots on goal, and let's yeah. try and get as many things out there, and, and something will resonate. I think that's going to have to change, um, especially within developer marketing. Like, there's some marketing that works with, but developers, um, and I like to use this example of it used to be back in the you know mid to late 90s um, whenever you heard the you've got mail you're you had this collective like warm fuzzy feeling because i got an email and i'm mm. gonna go read it and you would read it and you would you it was joy absolute joy mm. now whenever you you get that hear that little ding on your phone or on your computer or whatever it is that you know is an email there's a general sense of dread of oh, I got another email and yeah. there's in, in because there's that one there's the whole thing of like hey we got to get to inbox zero like that I think personifies so much of this how much we hate the fact that we have email that we haven't read and it just drains us and developers don't like email they just don't and they uh, and so I think there's a change in how um, the marketing towards developers, I think it's going to have to become more personal and more uh, relational than it has been in the last, you know, X number of years. 
Um, and, and I think that's one trend that I'm, I'm starting to see uh, or starting to feel. I don't know that I have a full, you know, uh, look into that, but I, I, I have a feeling that that's starting to change. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. I think that's, that's a very interesting take on it. And it's just a question of then how granular you can be with your, you know, your personal marketing. And I guess that will depend very much on the community and the size and, um, again, the segments. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Jeremy. That's been a really interesting talk. We've covered Time Lords and Coffee and um, Developer <laughs> Advocacy. <laughs> That's great. And everything in between. That's right. That's um, been great. Thank you so much for um, joining us and thank you to the listener. Thanks for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast devoted to developer marketing and developer relations. If you want to listen to other episodes, you could subscribe at developermarketingpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ for regular updates.